You are listening to episode 225 of This is Type 1. Today, we're talking about seasonal affective disorder, which is abbreviated SAD. And pretty much for the rest of this episode, we're just going to call it SAD, which is maybe unfortunate, but apropos acronym for seasonal affective disorder. Now, remember, this episode is not medical advice. It's not intended to be taken as a diagnosis of any kind, nor is it a treatment plan. So if you think that you have SAD and it's affecting your life and your diabetes management, please talk to your doctor. Today, we are simply discussing what SAD is and how it can impact people living with type 1 diabetes. So to start off, we're just going to give you the definition. And this is straight from Wikipedia. As much as we hate Wikipedia for some things, it is great for just summarizing other sources of data. And so the link to the Wikipedia article, as well as other sources for all the information we're going to talk about today is in the show notes. So straight from Wikipedia, seasonal affective disorder, abbreviated SAD, is a mood disorder subset in which people who typically have normal mental health throughout most of the year exhibit depressive symptoms at the same time each year. It is commonly but not always associated with the reductions or increases in total daily sunlight hours that occur during the summer or the winter. Common symptoms include sleeping too much, having little to no energy, and overeating. Those with the condition may exhibit any of the associated symptoms, such as feelings of hopelessness and worthlessness, thoughts of suicide, loss of interest in activities, withdrawal from social interaction, sleep and appetite problems, difficulty with concentrating and making decisions, decreased libido, a lack of energy, or agitation. Symptoms of winter SAD often include falling asleep earlier or in less than five minutes in the evening, oversleeping or difficulty waking up in the morning, nausea and a tendency to overeat, often with a craving for carbohydrates, which leads to weight gain. And that's the end of our Wikipedia section. Already, we can see how this affects people with type 1 diabetes. For like sleep and eating patterns are both huge contributors to blood sugar, especially when we have dialed in basal rates. So. I would like to hear Jesse's thoughts on all of the things that I just read there. Well, I definitely have thoughts. So, I mean, some people might associate SAD, seasonal affective disorder, with seasonal depression oh. as well. That's another common term for something like this is seasonal depression. It's very common in places where there isn't as much sun. So anywhere in the northern hemisphere, pretty much. So like... Washington area, the mountains, basically where Colleen and I live, (laughs) where it gets dark at 4.30 in the afternoon and the sun doesn't come up until 9 a.m., but it's fine. (laughs) So seasonal affective disorder doesn't necessarily mean that you're necessarily clinically depressed, but it could be that you're also experiencing your body is affected by sunlight. So your body is being affected by the sunlight going down earlier. I know with me, I don't necessarily have depression or anything like that, but I also get increasingly tired when the sun goes down. So when the sun goes down earlier, I do become less productive in the evenings. I get very tired in the evenings as well, just because the sun's not up and I feel less motivated and my body thinks it's like nine o'clock at night and it's only eight. So definitely recognizing that that can be a huge contributor to having low energy and being affected by the sun is a huge thing. And then with diabetes, there's also an increased chance of your blood sugar is changing over time. So I know with auto mode, for me with the Medtronic system, it takes about a week or two to really adjust and get set back into a new routine. So when daylight savings happens or 
the seasons change, there's always going to be like a week or two of getting into a new routine. So definitely having some grace with that. And then also understanding that it's an adjustment period for everybody too. So just be nicer to yourself and like nice to everybody. But if it does start to affect you on a more like personal level, having suicidal thoughts is not good. There are people out there who can help like therapists, doctors, you know, if this is really starting to affect you, you should go ask for help. As you were talking about how you feel when the sun goes down at 4.30 p.m. and all of that, I was just thinking, how does artificial light affect, how does artificial light play a role in this? And, you know, for thousands of years, people went to sleep when the sun went down and woke up when the sun came up and then the industrial revolution happened. And now we all have lights 24-7. And so our brains just physically cannot keep up with this constant go, go, go. Right. I mean, it's compensating, I think, by saying, hey, we're sad, we're lonely, we're tired, we're depressed in this seasonal way, because I think our brains really know that we're actually supposed to go to bed when the sun goes down. We get more sleep during the winter because, you know, hibernation and, you know, bears do it. Why can't we? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, even with, like, the waking and stuff, like, you were reading, like, the last, like, section of the definition, and I'm, like, thinking, we just turn into, like, human bears, pretty much. You know it? Like, yeah, I do get extra tired. And, yeah, I'm less motivated. And yeah, I want more carbs. Bears find a home and they stay there. They eat more and they, they just sleep for like four months. Oh, yeah. yeah, because like bears are the ones that are actually paying attention to the natural cycle of the year. And humans are like, nah, we just got to keep yeah. going the exact same way, the exact same time every single season. But you're right. We all slow down in the winter and that's a natural part of just the human experience and we're all trying to ignore it and then we suffer the effects of things like that right and like our bodies have been human bodies have been adjusting to like seasonal changes for thousands of years so for us to just in the last 200 ish years to be oh there's light all the time our bodies are not quite there yet like it takes a couple hundred years for like genetic responses to happen within humans. So it's just, it's unrealistic for us to all of a sudden have like artificial light on 100% of the time in the evenings and then just expect us to be totally okay with that. Like we've been literally avoiding cold in winter for thousands of years and then we're just (laughs) expected to stay up and like Um, be awake during the cold and winter seasons instead of finding shelter and like that's what our bodies naturally want to do. I was thinking when you were saying about like the 200 years since the revolution or whatever, this is not related directly to sad, but it gives you an uh, an instance of the time perspective we're talking about and how fast technology and society has advanced in the last several hundred years. It took, I think, 66 years between the very first plane flight and us landing on the moon. Yeah. 66 years. And we're here like now 70 plus years in the future. Actually, you know, like we're more than 100 now from the first plane flight. And we're doing things like staying up all night with blue light from our phones in our face and wondering why we're all depressed. Yeah, that's exactly. My, that's my thoughts on that. <laughs> okay, going to another source. This one is from Mayo Clinic. This is just another kind of way of looking at SAD and another list of symptoms. So you can see what the difference is between this and what Wikipedia says. So in most cases, seasonal affective disorder symptoms appear in late fall or early winter, and go away during the sunnier days of spring and summer. Less commonly, people with the opposite pattern have symptoms that begin in spring or summer. 
So that's kind of interesting. And sidebar, in either case, symptoms may start out mild and become more severe as the season progresses. Signs and symptoms of SAD may include feeling listless, sad, or down most of the day, nearly every day, losing interest in activities you once enjoyed, having low energy and feeling sluggish, having problems with sleeping too much, experiencing carbohydrate cravings, overeating, and weight gain, having difficulty concentrating, feeling hopeless, worthless, or guilty, having thoughts of not wanting to live. So just... (sighs) just based on the conversation we've already had, all of the physical symptoms from this list, to me, just seem so related to just the natural cycle of winter, spring, summer, fall, and us trying to ignore the natural call of nature. Not the, you know, that call of nature, but the other you know natural cycles of nature. Nature knows. Your body knows on a, like, even though your brain might, might not consciously know, like, oh, I'm supposed to go to bed at this time or this time. Like your body knows, like you're, it's just, it's so interesting to me when people are like, no, the full moon doesn't affect me or like the moon cycles don't affect. Well, the moon affects literally the oceans, time, (laughs) harvest seasons. Like it just is irresponsible for us to ignore that nature is literally telling us something. Seriously, like your body, you might not consciously know it, but your body knows it. Your body's affected by seasons, by the moon, by the cold, by temperature, like all of this stuff affects your body. So it's only natural that your body is going to respond a certain way, or at least to me. And then if it does get too drastic of an effect, it's that it becomes sad, seasonal, what are we, what, what, seasonal. Thank you. Yes. My thought on like the, the things like sleeping in a lot and overeating and all of those things, when we're talking about changes to sleeping and eating patterns, it's going to mess up something with your blood sugars because if you're sleeping way past when you usually sleep in and you don't mess with your basal settings or you don't change your doses, you're going to have some issues. And so that's that's kind of where my brain went with this is if you are experiencing SAD and you don't already have a plan in place for your diabetes management to change things up or to like have a setting on your pump where it's, this is what my basal rate is when it's the months from daylight savings until the sun peaks out back in March or something, whenever the other thing happens. I think it's March. So we want to make sure that we're taking care of our our blood sugars on that. If we already know we experience it. And if you don't know, like if this is actually affecting you, just pay attention to your patterns. And if you, if you're um, keeping a journal of any kind, like tracking things that can really help you see those patterns over time, if you're not consciously aware of them, but also tracking how your blood sugars do and your time and range and things like that, that can really help. So I actually bought a light therapy lamp earlier this year in preparation for these, you know, dark winter months. And I actually use it somewhere in between like two and three times a week. And I have noticed that it helps me wake up better if I'm not going to the gym on the morning that I'm using it. So typically what happens is I wake up at somewhere around 4.30 and then I will either go to boxing or to Orange Theory in the morning. And if I don't, then I will sit at my desk and I'll have the light therapy lamp on because one of those things where in the morning we, we we need to get our bodies moving, we need to get sunlight and we need to get fresh air. Like one of those three things, your body is moving the moment you leave the bed. So really th- the only things you have to go to is sunlight or being outside. And since I have to walk to my car to get to boxing in Orange Theory, I am outside those other mornings. But that, but the morning where I'm not going to the gym, I'm not experiencing the fresh air. And so I have that sunlight lamp because I can't rely on the sun to be rising when I want to have my sunlight time. 
So I got that lamp and I think it's been really helping. We'll see as the winter months progress because this is my first winter with an actual sunlight therapy lamp. And that is one of the uh, recommended treatments for SAD along with medication and psychotherapy. So again, not medical advice, just talk to your doctor to find out what works best for you. But you can get sunlight therapy lamps on Amazon, which is what I did. I love my lamp. I have sunlight alarm lamp. So it'll it'll start turning on like a half an hour before I'm supposed to get up. I used it a lot last year and I have to get a new one because it broke. But <laughs> I, I wish I could use a sunlight wake up lamp, but I can't because my husband and I have very right. different sleep schedules. And so I can't yeah. be, you know, naturally brightening the room when I want to get up because it'll interrupt his sleep cycle. That's totally fair though. But I love it. I feel so much more refreshed rather than my alarm going off yeah. and, and disrupting my sleep cycle too. Your body naturally knows, oh, the sun's coming up. I have to get up now. It just, yeah. Then that might also help with the oversleeping symptom of SAD as well, where like your body's naturally going to wake up when the light comes up. So Mm -hmm. that oversleeping might be because the sun isn't up quite yet when you were trying to get up. (laughs) Yeah. On the the topic of sun, which is like this whole episode now, I also take vitamin D, but I've been doing that for a long time based on my doctor's recommendation. And that was from some low uh, vitamin D levels and lab tests, which, you know, I think most Americans suffer from. Vitamin D is the sun vitamin. So it makes sense that people who experience that probably have lower vitamin D levels. As a society in general, we're D deficient by a lot anyway, with indoor jobs, indoor lifestyles, people not wanting to go outside. I think where I live in Montana, it's we have a little bit better time because it's just more natural to be outdoors and like in the wild, which is I love that. Most, if not all of the hikes that I go on are sunrise hikes. And so I'm getting my body outdoors into the fresh air, into the sunlight when it's especially at a low angle. So I can not have sunglasses on and not feel completely blinded. So I I really like that. There's also evidence that physical exercise helps with the symptoms of SAD, but that, you know, helps so many other things that it's difficult to really just say, just exercise to somebody as if you're Elwoods and endorphins. So that's my my thoughts on exercise and, and uh, it's sad right there. Any thoughts from you, Jesse? When it comes to exercise, I'm always going to be a huge proponent. I recently changed my major to the track for physical therapy. So of course, I'm going to, I'm always going to be like, yes, people should exercise, at least try and get, I think the recommended for adults is about an hour a day, according to the CDC. I am not quite sure about that, but that's what one of my professors says, like, once you hit 18, the recommended level of physical activity should be about an hour a day for adults. That being said, I don't know if that that's 100% accurate, but I think it's really important, like a good message to one, get your body moving, it gets endorphins moving in your brain because your brain's like producing happiness level or happy hormones. That's what I was looking for. Well, I mean, happiness the, the hormones. Quote, the quote from, from Legally Blonde is endorphins make you happy. Happy That's, people or um, no, exercise releases endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. Happy people just don't shoot their husbands. They just don't. That's true. And we don't want husbands getting shot around no. here. <laughs> I'm not married, so I don't have to worry about that. I had a thought and I lost it. <laughs> Anyways, BL Woods. Don't yes. just exercise, but make some time for it. At least a couple hours a week because it's... It is important and you will feel better if you go consistently. It'll become part of your routine. Not only that, like if you do have kids, 
it's a trickle down effect. So if they see you exercising and like living a healthier lifestyle, they're also going to want to lead healthier lifestyles and like exercise more with diabetes. There's, I can personally vouch for this. Like there's so much better control over a longer period of time when you're exercising at least an hour a day. And then you really get better results out of that too. You lower your A1C, you might lower your fat percentage in your body. Like there's so many good things about exercise. (laughs) But also there's a mental aspect to it as well. If you're thinking like, oh, I have to go to a gym every day for an hour. That's, that's not what we're saying. We're saying move your body in some way, shape or form for at least an hour a day. And that can include housework. It can include mowing the lawn. It can include chasing your kids or your cat around the house. It can include walking the dog. Things that are are simple parts of your day that we typically don't necessarily think of as exercise can count as exercise. There was a study done with housekeepers. I can't remember the study, like the name or when it happened. I just, I've read this multiple times where they did a study with housekeepers. They told one set of housekeepers to think about how what they're doing as housekeepers is exercise. They are moving their bodies. They are burning calories. They're getting fit and all of that kind of stuff. And then a second group of housekeepers, they just said, go do your normal jobs as usual. And over time, they found that the the housekeepers, even though both groups were doing the exact same thing, the housekeepers that were told how doing their job actually helped their physical health and it was exercise, they lost more weight, they burned more calories, they had better outlooks on their job, they felt better about their lives, all of those things. And that all came from a mental framework. It came from thinking about their jobs differently than how that other group, like the baseline group was thinking about it. So when we say go exercise for an hour, hour and a day, it doesn't mean go join a gym if you're not a gym rat. It doesn't mean going on a hike if you hate hiking. It's finding the things in your life that you enjoy that move your body. Do you have thoughts on that? No, I completely agree. This, just being a gym rat for me makes me so happy. And like going and lifting weights and like seeing the progression of how much weight I can lift, that makes me so happy. And it makes me better at my sport. For my mom, it's she loves Pilates. She loves going to Pilates. She loves yoga. She loves those like less intense movements. So just finding your own niche with it of finding like, this is what I can do to exercise. This is my thing. And like really taking it on. It's such an improvement mentally and physically. And my things are boxing and orange theory. I mean, I love boxing and, you know, hitting a bag with, you know, a glove to hand that helps, but um, they have force impact sensors on the bags. And so I get to see how hard I'm hitting, how much force I'm exerting on those bags. And it becomes a game. Like, can I get more impact score this time versus last time? And so far, most of my scores, I've seen them like creep up over time since I've been doing this regularly. And I'm just about to like hit the cusp of 100,000 on my impact force. Like, I want to get it. (laughs) So that's my thing with boxing. Like Orange Theory is nice just to get the cardio aspect of things. But I I would say my thing is boxing. I really like that. So uh, to round out this episode, we're going to share a few interesting statistics regarding SAD. I thought thought these were just really, really interesting to read. So the rate of SAD in Iceland is unexpectedly low, given the fact that it's in the northern climates. It's a really high latitude on par with like all the Nordic countries who typically experience high rates of SAD. Iceland is unexpectedly low. Researchers suspect it's related to fish consumption per capita. Iceland has 90 kilograms per person per year, like they eat that much fish. And in the U.S. and Canada, it averages 24 kilograms per person per year. 
fish are really high in vitamin D. And in the same same source, I think this is from uh, Wikipedia, they also say that in Japan, because fish consumption per capita, like per person, is much higher than, you know, in Canada and the US. So they also have lower rates of SAD, even though they are slightly higher on the latitude of the world. And this is a direct quote again. In the United States, a diagnosis of seasonal affective disorder was first proposed by a man named Norman E. Rosenthal, MD, in 1984. Rosenthal wondered why he became sluggish during the winter after moving from sunny South Africa to cloudy in the winter New York. He started experimenting with increasing exposure to artificial light and found this made a difference. So side note, for all the stuff we were talking about with artificial light, I'm, th- I'm thinking artificial light in terms of this is stuff that makes you stay up longer, but our, it's then where our f- bodies are fighting it. It's possible like the, the artificial light where sun lamps and things like that, maybe back in the 80s, they actually had some version of that. Maybe that's what he's talking about. So I don't know what exactly he means by artificial light here. But he said that increasing exposure to artificial light made a difference. In Alaska, it had been established that there is a sad rate of 8.9% and an even greater rate of 24.9% for subsyndromal sad. So I'm guessing subsyndromal. Subsyndromal is um, all of like the low level things that you kind of think you might have it, but you're not actually sure, and maybe you don't have a diagnosis. Around 20% of Irish people are affected by SAD, according to a survey conducted in 2007. The survey also shows women are more likely to be affected by SAD than men, but they need a better source for that. And then an estimated 3% of the population in the Netherlands experience winter SAD. So those are all of my interesting statistics. Jesse, do you have anything to round us out? You know, if you need help, go get help. People are there to help you. If you are experiencing abnormal levels of sad or being sad or being depressed, reach out for help. We are a great resource to get you connected to other people who can really, really help you if you're experiencing some of these symptoms. Again, not medical advice on this show by any means necessarily, but we are here to help. Now it is your turn. What is your experience with what some people call the winter blues? Do you experience SAD? And if you have, how has it impacted your type 1 diabetes? We would love to know. Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com slash community. I can't wait to see you there.